Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hustle, and Ron Power. Or it just sounds better with after coming after that guy from Malawi, you know, giving us our names. That was awesome. Second week in a row we use that intro. Ron is not with us. Welcome, everybody, to Wake the Bear Radio. Um, I, I'm Brandon Johnson. Chris Hurst is here, but Ron is in Malawi. So we are just um, – he's our tech guru, so we miss him. Everything's just a little bit ch- more challenging when he's gone. But uh, he's taught us well, so I think we're actually going to be able to pull it off tonight. But what do you think, Chris? I think we can do it. If not, we, you know, we are pretty good on the fly. We may, we may have a few uh, bleeps, but but that's okay. And hopefully, our audience will forgive us because we just we want to bring you uh, a word of hope. And we know Wake the Bear is um, our radio station has been set up so that we wake the bear which is california to come out of sleepiness and tonight uh we have uh a show that is specific to september 11 911. it's kind of like call 911 because we are testing our resolve there's gun tyranny is this a police state and so we want to uh we we want to do all things around that where are we in our history and what what is this 911 do we have to call it or are we celebrating and uh, honoring uh September 11th yeah I, I think it's really important that we take the time I mean obviously today is um September 11th 22 years ago um that horrendous uh, thing happened in New York and it's time for you know for us to just kind of think back look back and and remember um the 3,000 men and women lost their lives um in that attack um, the different planes. And so let, let's just kind of remember, you know, I, I say, let's just kind of remember where we were. I mean, can you remember where you were, Chris, when that first I happened? I sure do. I was, um, it's my first time. It's my only time. I was in Maui of all places near wow. Lahaina, right next to Lahaina. And uh, as if you remember, the airport's closed. And my ticket out was for a, a week later. And I thought, um, will we be able to get out? Uh, how does this look? And uh, the day the airport reopened was the day I, I was in one of the very first flights off of the, the island. But it was very surreal. It was very difficult to be in paradise um, where we knew that there were so many conflicts going on in our beloved stateside. So it was, it was confusing. And I think the biggest thing I remember is that traumatic watching over and over and over and over uh, the Twin Towers come down. And this is a uh, an image from, and we know that is uh, a depiction of celebrating today, but but it really was very traumatizing because people were jumping out of windows and as um, as a firefighter, I knew what was going on with those firefighters going in the building when everybody else was running out. So I remember exactly where I was. Yeah, and and you you know I just the fact that you are were a first responder, you you know you were a firefighter, you you understood what it what it took for those guys to go in those buildings when they're falling. You you 
you've had that background. So it's an, an interesting perspective coming, you know, from you. Um, yeah. And how about you? Where were you? You know, I was actually, uh, I, at the time I was teaching at Valley Christian High School, I had my first, um, um, I think I had my first class was not, was a, a, a late start. And I got there and they were lowered the flags. And I'm like, what are you lowering the flags for? What's going on? And he said, oh, you haven't heard? I said, no, there's, a, there's an attack on America. And I went inside and, you know, I had, you know, I was a teacher at Valley. So I had, um, you know, 30 students. And then there was an announcement made on the thing and then just a prayer to not fear. And then we we actually watched it on television. We, we just turned on the TV and all of my classes that day just kind of basically uh, were, you know, released the first couple yeah, the first couple of classes we were just watching the news and all the kids were watching. And then we finally turned it off and just prayed. And, mm-hmm. and then I, and I think we, then I went home. Um, I think we canceled school about halfway through and everybody went home, but yeah, it was, you know, obviously crazy traumatic. Um, I, you know, it's interesting cause I, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in the twin towers, but I, I remember going there and during my college days. So I had only, I had actually been there a couple of years before and I actually had some friends who were there three, three days before. So really, yeah, they, so that you can imagine what they would have thought, you know, being there. Oh my goodness. That is, that is incredible. Yeah. I mean, what, what, one of the things that stood out to me is that was, um, I mean, I had a TV in my house, but I didn't watch news. I really didn't watch news. And, you know, I, I was raising my kids. We watched, uh, the 49ers and the Giants, we watched sports um, and they weren't, they were, they had a lot of school activities. So uh, I remember it was the first time I became aware of CNN uh, and I thought, what is this news? 20, like they're on 24 hours. How, you know, Cause I was used to watching uh, live at five for the local and uh, if the, and then there was the major um, broadcast of a major uh, news agency for like the, the seven o'clock and it was a one hour and that was the end of the news. You know, you had an hour of news and maybe a half hour of local in the weather and that was it. And it was my first concept that I realized, wait, there's a there's a station that plays news for 24 hours. What do they do? There's not enough going on. Oh gosh, I wish we could go back to those days. Now, you know, the the world changed. You know, back then the culture shifted, and the 24 hour news cycle changed the entire world. You know, I mean, there's always a story going on all the time. Now you you go to the gym, you're watching the news when you're working out. You get you know, as you're on your stair stepper. I mean, it's like constant and i just you know i think to myself gosh this is definitely a plan of the enemy to keep people's minds encaptivated with whatever the 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 people who to deem news newsworthy are putting in front of you every day yeah and my dad used to work in pentagon and uh, as a little girl um i was in the girl scouts we used to go down there and sell girl scout cookies every year because coming out uh, those guys would buy the workers. There are thousands of people who there are who work in the Pentagon. So we had a uh, we had a great uh, some of the best sales in the in the whole country were our troops that were uh, selling. So so when I saw um, the fire and the trauma to the west side of the Pentagon, that was uh, it was very graphic because we could actually just cross the street and look over uh, a hillside and see the Pentagon from our house. And uh, so we were very, very close to that. But 
Um, you know, before we get into too much about uh, September 11th, and I, I want to make sure we do the right thing, which is uh, today is really, it's Patriots Day. Yeah. Uh, so we want to honor, first of all, uh, we want to honor that the fact that um, Patriots come in all shapes and sizes. Some are in uniform and some aren't. Um, some are uh, little and some are big. And and we want to honor uh, the men and women who died during September 11th in the various incidences, uh, either as um, victims of um, attack, I'm not going to say terrorist attack, but it, it did cause terror, or um, as, as first responders, because uh, as a firefighter, you know, we watch very closely in the days after uh, what happened to those firefighters. And uh, I don't know if you know, but every single day there were funerals yeah. for a year, for a year or more. And, you know, when there's a line of duty death, it is um, it is a sight to behold. The, the bagpipes are played. There's a parade there are vehicles from um, the, the agencies, and there is a level of honor uh, that is um, traditionally reserved for um, military because it's a paramilitary organization. And these that were supposed to be going back to work the next day, first of all, they lost a huge amount of their, their uh, workforce. Yeah. And then they they also had to deal with the day after day after day wow. honoring the lost ones. And so um, the National USAR, the, the Urban Search and Rescue, they, they sent a lot of people from the various units throughout the country over to uh, New York to help backfill and to begin with the rescue situations. I know uh, in our region, we had, we, my department was part of the USAR team and the ones that we went, we called it, um, they went to work on the mound. It was called the mound. The mound, ground zero. Yes, ground zero, because they were sifting through uh, debris in so that if they came across human remains, they did not want it to, they wouldn't let the bulldozers come in and clear until they had hand sifted through debris. Wow. Because they were dumping the the debris over where they could put it on barges over um, near the waterfront. And the firefighters who came, they said, we are not going to let your, you know, these people get, you know, bucketed into a back of a, a truck and get carted off. And, and now we found out that they took a lot of the debris over to China to melt it down. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's just an interesting phenomenon that... Uh, working on that mound, there was a level of um, toxic, you know, they, they wore their, their dust masks, but quite a few of my friends, um, they uh, came back with chronic coughs. And it, it you know, it was kind of the, the mound wow. cough. It was, you know, the New York cough from working on the mounds. And many of them um, didn't, didn't resolve their cough. Do they get, they got some people died from it, right? The respiratory disease or something? Well, they just, they had respiratory uh, symptoms for the rest of their career. So wow. um, it, that was not uncommon. And obviously, oh my goodness. So this is from today, the, the pictures that were, that. Were yeah, right no, I, 
I just posted posted this is this is on X Twitter. This this happened this morning that in the after the rains last night during the football game in New York uh, against Giants. I mean, excuse the uh, yeah the Giants played against um, Dallas. The wow. next morning here, this is nine eleven. Um, there, yeah, just beautiful. I mean, if you you want to honor, I mean, it's like heaven is honoring what happened that day twenty two years ago. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I think you know one of the things that's important you know, as we go back and remember all these things is, you know, people are starting to wake up. Like people are starting to say, you know what? I don't know if what I thought happened actually happened. Like Mm -hmm. I remember like three years ago during COVID, you know, one of my friends said, well, you know, that was an inside job. Right. And I'm like, what are you? you, Oh my gosh, you're crazy. You believe that? It was like three years ago. And I'm just like, I heard little people, I heard little, I heard people say stuff like that before, but never like somebody I knew and loved and cared about and actually was friends with say, you know, that was an inside job. And I'm like, uh, and then I started to research like, because it was the middle of COVID and we weren't meeting at church. And so you got a pastor who studies going, spending 10 hours a day studying COVID and studying what's going on. Well, I spent a good chunk of that time studying the, the, this attack and we were definitely attacked. It's real, but, uh, who was involved? And that's the thing. And that, those are things that are coming, have been coming out. Um, you know what what's some of the stuff that, that you researched and, and found out you know, as you started the research the official narrative of 9-11 well the first thing um that caught my attention is we had one firefighter who immediately went out in my department and he, we would always be doing things through an honorary we, we got t-shirts for our day uniform uh when we were working or under our turnouts and uh they uh one said never forget but one of the firefighters I worked with, he wrote on his, uh, you know, you have suspenders on your turnout. Um, let's roll. And let's roll was the supposed words that on the, the flight 93, which was in the Pennsylvania um, uh, field that went down, was yeah. supposed um, supposedly what the passengers there had been hearing the story was they'd been hearing that um, a plane had been hijacked and hit the Pentagon and the Twin Towers were hit. And so they had in the in the narrative that was uh, put out by the news, they had heard um, that uh, that they knew they were hijacked. I mean, they were hijacked right. and the, the pilot, you know, the pilots, uh, they were piloting the, the hijackers supposedly were were hijacking the planes and there were supposed to be people who had called on the cell phones and called their loved ones um i i don't know if you know i don't know know. now did you what you heard was that that plane that was crashed in pennsylvania was that one intended to hit building seven no it was going for um the capitol Oh, the Capitol. It was going for the Capitol is what uh, they believed that they were, they were going to hit Washington, D.C. So in, in real life, so what we do know fact-wise is that uh, Flight 93, I believe it was headed for California. And they were on r- radar until West Virginia. And an hour prior to the Twin Towers being hit, the radar went off on... Um, Flight 93, which, you know, I thought air traffickers could pick up everybody and uh, who knows what the deal is. So um, we know that uh, supposedly 
it was the last plane to go down and that the passengers decided when they said, let's roll, there are a few large men that were going, that decided they were going to take over the cockpit because they knew they were going to be uh, flown into the Capitol or, or flown into a building and that they were going to be killed and they were going to be killing Americans. Right. And so in take the wrestling match, um, the plane got out of control and dove conveniently into a Pennsylvania uh, field yeah. where there were no people. And uh, it was, so it went down. Yeah. Those so, guys were heroes. They saved, they'd saved, you know, yeah. they saved thousands that's of people's right. lives that day. But, that's yes. That's what really happened. But, but what we don't have is um, we don't, we, nobody has seen has been shown any evidence. It's so strange because the, the uh, eyewitnesses, it went into a field and it supposedly hit, even though this phenomenon's never happened before or been recorded, and the ground swallowed it up. It hit so hard, the ground swallowed it up and closed around it. So you couldn't see any part of the airplane. And uh, the, the mayor, um, it's a small town where it was, uh, the mayor sent his brother-in-law out immediately, and they were there within like four or five minutes. And there was no evidence of a plane. There was no smell of diesel fuel. They've got seven to 10,000 gallons, not diesel, jet fuel. And uh, the, the plume wasn't like an explosion. Um, they never uh, saw any sort of tail or wings or airplane yeah, parts. Yeah. They didn't find anything that was larger than um, just little debris. And then they started getting reports that uh, over a six to eight mile area, there were little parts of the um, wreckage that were found, which didn't make sense because it was supposedly went down in one piece. Right. And as soon as, you know, they, the, the, if you saw the hole, it wasn't very big. Yeah. It was only about uh, maybe 30 feet across. Uh, and then it, it was it was very strange. It wasn't a grass fire. So it just didn't it didn't add up. And so that was yeah. the first thing I was going. This um, is so weird that because I, you know, we train on on plane wrecks and train wrecks and car wrecks and things like that. And that was not anything that even made sense. And then the uh, FBI pretty much closed the scene and they said over the next two weeks, they found 95% of the airplane. And uh, I don't know what they told the, their loved ones, but um, the, the truth is, you know how in most crashes, they'll reassemble in a warehouse somewhere and they'll try and figure out forensically what happened here. They Nobody's ever seen it yeah. unless it's top secret. Uh, any parts of this supposed airplanes so yeah that, that seems like the, the, another thing that didn't add up that's very similar to what happened uh, actually the video of the pentagon there was a, someone on the ground immediately after the pentagon was hit and they he said um well I, I they said a plane hit this but i don't see any evidence of a plane i see no no wings no pieces of wings i see no and then and then it was interesting there's also some footage of um that was taken off, off of a directional footage and this has been posted multiple times but this is the entryway to the west side and cars coming through and if you look a car came through and then all of a sudden you see an explosion and you don't see a huge plane there 
There's no, no pl- and like you, you know, and, and of course, one of the most secure buildings in the world would be the Pentagon. It seems like you would have 50 videos of where what was hit, and we have no video evidence of a plane hitting the Pentagon. Um, most people say the plane couldn't have gone that low for that long and hit the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Um, the belief is that it was actually a, a cruise missile that hit it. Um, yeah. or scud missile, some, some, some sort of missile that hit it. Something wasn't right. I had heard uh, that some people said they saw a jet, uh, an airplane, but it looked like a private jet, you know, like a small one that you would, maybe a 20, 20 seater. Um, and uh, so it, no doubt there was a tragedy that happened right. at and, the Pentagon. And this is an interesting thing about planes. And this is the whole thing. You know, if a bird hits a plane, it, it completely damages the nose, just a bird. Like, so how can a plane th- that fragile just destroy a building or take down an entire building? They said, oh, it was the jet fuel. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. And if you look at the 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 the, the, the detonations that happened on those buildings, it looks like they've been there. There were floors of detonations happening on the, the Twin Towers. And then, of course, the big one that I would say that it sticks out to me is Building 7. There was clearly no plane that hit that building. They said, oh, it got caught fire. But it's like a further away. Like and no one no one knows why the World Trade Center number seven went down. They said oh, it was on fire. Well, but then it then it detonated. Like it had been planned for weeks of, of a detonation. It, it doesn't, you can't go in and set up detonations and carefully drop a building within its own footprint um, in a few hours or even in an hour when they said they got it, they were told to drop the building. Yeah, that's They're, an engineering. Um, it would be, it would take experts, obviously. Hours and hours, weeks. It would take weeks to set up. And you then, of course, there, there's a bunch of blueprints, all right. sorts of stuff. And there's a bunch of evidence that in, and this is some of the things that people have probably looked into, that the buildings themselves actually had multiple floors that were being rented by a, a bunch of artists um, for a, uh, they were uh, students doing an art show. And there's some evidence that they, that they were went rented floors that actually blew. So the the theory and the belief is, is that the, the, these buildings were all detonated ahead of time. They'd all been planned. And if there was a plane that hit them, which I think there was, or some something you know hit them it was just basically to, to to show that there was you know it was an excuse for why they went down because there's no way that these buildings could have dropped in their own footprint from from a plane two planes hitting them precisely like they did and yet most people don't know anything about this and so they're just kind of they just believe whatever they're told yeah and you're not quite sure what the experts actually can do i i think the second piece of evidence that just had me going, what in the world were the the passports of the terrorists that they okay. found? Say that again. Say that. The passports of the terrorists that they found at ground zero, where they didn't find anything with the planes. They, you know, they, they didn't find the fuselage or any parts of the black box in the Twin Towers. Uh, but they found at least two of the passports of the terrorists in the debris. So it just, you know, it was like, are you kidding me? That has to, but are we? But, you know, there is that sense of, well, these guys must be really good investigators and you're, you're not going to be suspicious unless you have a reason to believe there would be a conspiracy. Yeah. And at, at that point in my life, I, um, you know, I had nothing but honor for the uh, American government and obviously for those that were there uh, sifting through 
um, I thought, wow, that's amazing. They had the search and rescue dogs and, and they found these things that were clearly showing that it was a terrorist activity. So the thing about that Building 7, too, is it belonged to um, a, a man who's, who had just, Larry Silverstein, he owned Building 7. And a month before 9-11, he purchased the complex. And then he immediately put on a $3.5 billion insurance policy so it's an unusually large amount on each of his buildings. And, uh, and he was able to, obviously, he, he got the money back for all three of his, um, the buildings that went down. And the buildings between didn't burn. I don't know what they are saying started building seven's fire. But basically, it was just um, originally... It appeared to be a low-level fire. The firefighters that went in said that it, um, the metal in the basement was scalded, so it wow. was melted. And uh, the government denies that that were, was true, but there were 35 eyewitnesses that they corroborated that in um, NY uh, FD FDNY is what they call it. They call it um, Fire Department New York. And uh, so, it, and then it was strange that immediately Silverstein said, we're going to take it down um, because uh, all the fire department said was, we're having some trouble putting this fire out. So I think they knew there was something unusual about this fire, or it might've been, they just didn't have enough personnel because they were so stretched thin. But Silverstein, he said, well, we're going to take the whole building down then because enough lives have been, have died today. And that's the story of when he started getting this demolition crew or whatever it was, but very quickly, like within hours, I mean, who destroys their building? Yeah. It, it just didn't it, even, make I mean, I saw the video of the police, the fire department guy, go, all right, get away. We're going to, we're going to drop this building. Like, wait, how are you going to drop the building? Unless you de unless you plan to drop it weeks before, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then, if, you know, and I think what you said too about the passports showing up, all all this stuff burns down, but you happen to find the passports of the guys that were in the planes. I mean, there's just a thing, place after place after place where this doesn't make sense. Um, there's a there's video of of four uh, Jewish guys on top of a building parking structure cheering on the. Uh, the blowing up of the building and then a woman captured them and said, who are these guys outside like cheering this on? And then of course these guys go back to um, Israel and they're on one of the talk shows and they talk about their experience. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff like that that's happened. And I think, you know, we're, we're finally to a place now where American people are actually willing to, to like consider that maybe they did not get the whole story. And, I, you know, I think we're at a place now where, you know, the what's happened in the last three years, when what's happened with Donald Trump's um, his presidency is that people are being woken up to that. There's a lot of things that we've been told, a lot of things that the media has been telling us that have, did, did not happen the way they told us it happened. And there are a lot of a lot of collusion and corruption. So I think, you know, that's kind of our theme tonight is that there's a lot of collusion and corruption going on, but it's really like, what is the resolve of the Patriots? You know, we're having our, our resolve being tested mm -hmm. um, on nine 11 and, you know, we're having, we're having our thoughts being challenged about these things. Um, 
you've got, you know, gun tyranny going on in New Mexico. We've got the police state movie coming out. So let's just, let's cover some of these other topics. Um, one that's big on my radar is uh, this woman here, who's the mayor of New Mexico. Apparently she thinks it's okay to temporarily um, halt the constitution for 30 days to stop the spread of violence. Um, apparently there was a young boy that was killed 11 horrible news. Um, but she's using this event where this ch child was killed to say that the violence has gotten so bad in my state that we're going to just, we're going to halt the second amendment. You know, everybody who has a, a license to carry a, a firearm and everybody who carries openly, you, you don't get to do it for 30 days. And everybody's like, wait, what, what, what are you talking about? Like, so she has basically suspended the constitution and if people are like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you actually suspend the constitution? Why would you suspend people that are law-abiding citizens from carrying guns if crime and gun violence have gotten so bad in your state? You know, you're making people less safe. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, um, there's this. Uh, even, even uh, David Hogg came out. And said what she's doing is unconstitutional. Okay, so David Hogg is obviously the poster child for gun, you know, stop trying to stop gun violence. And he's he's blasting her. She's being blasted all over social media. And if you listen to the clip, I want people to hear this little clip. If you listen to the clip of what she's saying, she's basically saying that she has the right to suspend that not that the rights are not absolute. Uh, just like I don't have the, the right to my free speech is not absolute. You know, they're referring to like speech that tells people to go kill somebody or whatever, which obviously that's not the same thing as free speech. That's actually an act calling for an act of violence. So she's saying that because that she has the right to suspend the Constitution for um, for uh, under under emergency powers. And so I just because kind of blew my mind, you know, that, that she was actually saying this. Um, have you read up on this at all? Well, the only thing I know is there are several sheriff, county sheriffs in Arizona who said that's not happening in our county. Right. So um, I don't I, I think this is what you what you said. And I want to hear what you know about it. I do believe that um, the deep state is testing the American response. We're going to see more of these types of test opportunities yes. in various places and to see which regions are going to stand up and say, are you kidding me? Uh-uh. And which ones are just going to say, okay, we're going to, we're not going to use our guns concealed anymore. So what do you know about it, Brandon? Well, yeah, I, I believe that's exactly what's happening. So what happened is that um, she had a lot of dark money. Some people are saying that she was funded by George Soros, that she's been placed in this position. Um, I, I believe that what we're seeing is a, a testing of what where what areas will not will, don't know their rights and will 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 push back and which ones won't and so that they can figure out where are, where are the soft cities the soft targets where are the soft brained people who don't understand history they don't remember you know they they're trying to see what they can push and where they can push to accomplish their task mm -hmm. but i mean can you imagine the, the, i mean new mexico is very close to the border so south, south southern border Right. I mean, it is. This is on the southern border. So the, you're telling the, the the drug cartels, the dangerous drug cartels that for 30 days, 
the people of New Mexico and these two major cities are not going to be carrying weapons. It's almost like, hey, come on in, do what you're going to want to do. And those guys, uh, that's how it is in Mexico. And they basically run everything because people don't have weapons down there. So uh, I do believe it's it's actually um, a test case. And I was debating with somebody online and seeing what they were saying. And one of these guys, one of the Crescentine brothers was saying, oh, it's going to be a really interesting case study. And everybody said, no, no, no. The case studies are Chicago and Baltimore and these other states that have already, other cities that have already taken away all the gun rights. And it, it, the, and the, the, the shootings have gone through the roof, right? Because the criminals don't follow the law. And so, and then I, I also thought this is what made me, you know, okay, this guy saw it as a very interesting case study. And I'm thinking this is a stupid little game that people are playing with our inalienable rights. I mean, these rights are the right to self-defense, which was, you know, framed in our, in the bill of rights is a, is a right that comes from God. Government doesn't give you the right to defend yourself. The government protects the rights that were already given to you by God. So the right to free speech, right to defend yourself. These are all inalienable rights. Well, I think this is the problem is that people, have, the schools have been so soft in teaching these facts. People actually believe that the government is giving you those rights and can take them away whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. And she literally says that I don't have the clip pulled up, but she literally says, I have additional powers at my disposal if I deem there's an emergency. No, you don't. You don't you don't get to actually change the law if you deem there's an emergency. And I, I, you know, I have this one clip. If you think about it, it's actually not a clip, but a video or not a video, but a, a photo. Think about it in this sense. If she has the right to do it with that one, what about what about uh, for the next 30 days? Safety officials may search your house without a warrant. For, to, for your own good, for public safety. Or for the next 30 yeah. days, soldiers can be quarantined in your home without the consent of the owner for just the next 30 days. Or for the next 30 days, you, 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 your safety, for your safety, we're compelled to speak to officials if we investigate you. You're compelled to speak to an official if you're investigated for a crime, right? So you there's all these other areas, ones you can just, with, if, if there's an emergency, we can take away these rights. And that, I believe, goes along with 9-11 because 9-11 was specifically chosen to be an emergency, 9-1-1 emergency. What, the, what this happening here is the government is seizing and helping create emergencies so that they can take away our rights. Mm-hmm. You have That's an right. excuse to take away rights. That's what I believe is going on. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And there, you know, there's another city that's kind of testing – I don't know if it's testing or what, but Austin, Texas was in the news this week for telling uh, its citizens don't call 911 um, for um, if it's not a high level emergency. And they showed this guy getting robbed at the ATM and he called 911 and uh, the police said, well, um, you're, you know, we're not sending anyone over because this isn't an emergency. And so it's basically showing thefts. There were there was a 75% since 2020, since COVID, increase in car thefts. There was 35% increase in aggravated assault. And there was um, an, um, 30% in murders. Whoa. And so it's like they're advertising, we're too short on staff. We're too, you know, and you getting robbed at the ATM, you know, just get us as much information, come file a report, and we hope to to uh, get your property back. Well, it's going to find money, you know, that's 
not like very likely. So uh, there's something very strange going on in different cities. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly right. And I, you know, and I believe it is a test by the deep state. Um, here's an interesting meme here. Just to be clear, none of this actually matters if the governor doesn't like it. <laughs> then filling out the constitution and the bill of rights. Right? That's right. That's so right. Well, we, we know that firsthand with our governor, governor Gavin Newsom. And um, he, he often was referred to as a, a tyrant and someone who is a dictator. And it just seemed like he'd get mad at people if they didn't want to let him make all the rules and executive orders. Yes. And it took him forever to get us out from uh, the, the emergency. So uh, what, what the governor of New Mexico helped me understand is she's decided she's calling a, a state emergency, because obviously right. it's not a national one, uh, uh, of her own volition and decision. Right. And therefore she can follow certain protocols that give her probably executive order um, privileges right. as the executive branch of the government of that state. Yeah, additional powers. She's saying I'm I'm able to get additional powers at my disposal if I deem there's an emergency. Mm -hmm. That is complete hogwash. And people are actually calling for her immediate removal. Her immediate. Some people are saying she needs to be arrested, arrested yeah, and that's... removed from her position. Um, and you know. I would I would have to agree with that. She, you know, if you're if someone is using their powers um, under the color of law, which it isn't, and this is an interesting thing, is that it actually doesn't. It's not it's not law. Like what she's doing is not is not the law. It literally says in the Constitution. Here, I'll, I'll pull this up. Um, so I read this. This was the ruling of the United States Supreme Court shortly after the Civil War. An ex parte Milligan, uh, this is a court court order, which stands to this day. Neither the legislature nor any executive or judicial officer may disregard the provisions of the Constitution in case of emergency. Section ninety eight. Therefore, anyone who declares the suspension of constitutionality guarantees guaranteed rights, uh, free to treat, free travel, peacefully assemble. Uh, earn a living freely free to worship or any attempts to enforce such suspension within 50 independent sovereign continental United States of America is making war against our constitution. Okay. That's the constitution that she swore an oath to uphold against enemies, foreign and domestic. Well, she's an enemy. She's a domestic enemy of this constitution. Yeah. Therefore we, the people oh, constitution and therefore we, the people, they violate their constitutional oath and thus immediately forfeit their office and authority and their proclamations may be disregarded with impunity. Um, and that means anyone, even the governor and the, or the president. Yeah. So, wow. So. Wow. That's right. That it's it just, it, it is getting to a crazy making. I mean, um, what Thomas Jefferson said, the laws that forbid the carrying of arms are laws of such a nature. They disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailant. They serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides for an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence 
than an armed man. And that was uh, Thomas Jefferson. That was part of the intent of the Second Amendment. And it's why uh, we have um, not the privilege, but the God-given rights right. to protect so ourselves. Yeah, we're, and I think we're seeing these um, attacks on the, our rights all over the place. So now that we, you and I just went now um, last this week, we got to hear uh, Chloe Cole speak. Um, she was a, a girl who um, was uh, had gender dysphoria and, and and basically believed that she maybe that she was supposed to be a boy, and the um, medical system helped her transition, and she cut off. Her, you know, she had a double mastectomy as, as like a 15 year old and they started she started taking um gender i mean uh, gender uh transition drugs tra yeah, transition drug. yeah and so we got a chance chris and i got a chance to hear her present her story it was just a heartbreaking story mm -hmm. and man that t talk about a little bit about that Chris. Yeah, if you get a chance, follow her on Chloe Cole, C-O-L-E, on X. Uh, she, she's got a strong page there. But her message was uh, she, she basically gave her experience. And she was she's a tomboy. And, you know, I felt for her because, you know, I was always either on a climbing a tree or running or skinning my knee or jumping over something and uh, being an athletic girl. And so uh, she was um, told by many of her, her uh, school teachers early that uh, she, could, uh, she could identify as something else. And so she, she did as a 12-year-old. She started um, saying she wanted to be a boy. And uh, she had some, you know, she had some friends issues and she was having some um, awkward stages. And so she started binding her breasts. So uh, she didn't want to develop. She didn't know really what this becoming going through puberty was. It was very frightening to her. And so she uh, convinced um, her, um, she was able to go get some, some, counseling on it to uh medically and she started pursuing it and when her parents found out they took her to psychiatrists and the psychiatrist used fear to say if you don't let her do this she's going to commit suicide well chloe said i had you know i had no intention of committing suicide i had no suicidal ideation at all um, but they they convinced her parents to allow her to transition so that she would not kill herself and become go into a life of, of depression and be on suicide watch. Well, very, very quickly, without really informed consent or understanding what she was signing up for, they put her into some programs of um, of the transition and her voice started dropping very quickly. Her hair changed and uh, all sorts of physical changes. She got body mass and very soon she was like um, deeper voice than all the boys around her because she was in junior high and there, a lot of their voices hadn't changed and she felt very awkward. During this, um, they, they did cut off her breasts and she had horrible sores. She's still dealing with the sores. And then at age 16, so this was between 12 and, and, and uh, 
16, that she went through this process and this journey, she, she decided, I do not want to be this. This is not working for me. And when the time that she started transitioning back, she lost all medical help because in the state of California, uh, the state will pay for your transition. Yeah. Uh, but now that she had wounds to care for, it was up to her parents' insurance. And so uh, she basically was abandoned by all the trans community that had been championing her and they were angry with her. And uh, so she has just had a very difficult road of going back. And right now she she's only 19. Uh, but her message is, I want people to know that um, this isn't what it seems that they need to, to wait. They need to be more informed. And she was very strong against who the enemy was. She said it was the, um, the medical industrial complex and the pharmaceutical companies who she said, once they get you on hormone treatments, they have you for the rest of your life. You're going to have to be on that regiment and they have you in the system in very expensive um, uh, pharmaceuticals. And so- uh, she was powerful, passionate, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful young woman, uh, vibrant. Uh, what a beautiful smile. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was blown away by her story and it just reminds me that, yeah, she said that the, you know, the, the medical industrial complex is what in the pharmaceutical companies. And I agree, those are the enemy, but they're being manipulated by Satan. Like they're, they're the greater enemy is, is there's a satanic plan whether people understand that they're under the power of Satan or not is, you know, many people don't, they think they're doing good, but to separate children from their parents, you know, the enemy wants to attack everything that God holds sacred. He wants to attack manhood. He wants to attack womanhood. He wants to attack families. He wants to attack children, you know, with abortion. And now there's these trans, um, drugs they're giving kids without the consent of their parents is to separate kids and then to over-sexualize them from the youngest age so that they will believe that these, uh, these, uh, you know, apparent lifestyles, abhorrent lifestyles are actually naturalized or normalized. And one of the guys that was talking that night said it's called snag. They, they want to snag them by seduce mm -hmm. them, seducing people, uh, normalizing it, and then mm -hmm. grooming them. And this is what we're seeing going on right now in Sacramento with AB 957 that just passed. And, and it, you know, the Gavin Newsom's going to sign it, this, this bill that says judges must side with trans affirming parent. Uh, if there are two parents uh, struggling for custody, the, 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 the judge must side with the one who affirms the kid's non-natural um, gender and, and affirm their, 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 beliefs about their gender well chloe would be completely against this now now that now she's come out and decided this is not what she wanted and she it was interesting you said this too she she said I, I, they didn't even like discuss the areas of other things in my life that i was struggling with and when i went to see the psychologist and the psychiatrist they just put me on this fast track to be transitioned and then uh, it was interesting because somebody actually asked that question at the end you said he said um you know the nuremberg trials you know uh, experimenting, you know, the, the Nazis experimented on, on P and women and children and kids and adults, everybody, um, without their consent, without their informed consent, they were obviously uh, prisoners. So they, the Nuremberg code was developed to say that no longer ever, ever can somebody get, go into mm -hmm. an experimental treatment without them fully being aware of what they're 
they're doing and all the possible bad things that could happen. So a fully informed consent. And this one guy at the end of her speech said, Hey, Chloe, do you feel like you had informed consent? And she said, no, I was a child. My, my, my brain wasn't even developed well enough to be able to make that kind of process, that kind of decision. She says, children don't have the, the capacity to have, they don't have the capacity to have informed consent. That's why they have your parents protecting them. And it just blows me in my mind that here it is, you know, when I was in school, and I think it's still true, that you can't actually take an aspirin unless you go to the nurse and, and, and your parents have written you a, 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 a note saying you can take one. Well, now they can give you gender affirming, you know, trans, transgender affirming drugs and uh, hormones and then even have you lose your body parts, you know, without fully informed consent. And then they scare the parents saying, oh, you know, there's so many percentages of these kids actually kill themselves. So you, you better let her do it. It's a complete manipulation that is not conform informed consent. And they are, they're, they're using fear to control parents, to twist them, to make them do something that is, is completely unnatural. It doesn't make any sense. doesn't feel right. And they're doing it anyways, because there is a yeah. demonic satanic backing to all of this stuff. Yeah. But uh, one of the good things in California, there are um, school districts that are, uh, pushing back and parents that are pushing back. They've hired quite a few attorneys. And right now there are school districts that are pr protecting the parental rights with policies requiring, I mean, it's so basic. You think that this would be common sense, requiring teachers to notify parents if their children express a desire to at least identify as the opposite sex. So the basic premise is, um, are the parents the friends of the children or are the um, are they uh, enemies and wanting to ruin their children's lives? So the, when the government schools, which is what our public schools are, uh, say that the parents are are a problem to the children's safety because the children don't feel like they can express themselves openly without um without being reprimanded or kind of called out by their parents or just having uh, so, a difference of opinion. Right? Yes. I mean, it's as though if, if you don't agree with the child um, that, that you're abusing them and they're calling it child abuse. And uh, even our uh, attorney general, uh, Rob Bonta, I think is his name uh, is saying, I'm standing up for children because they shouldn't have to hide from their parents how they think because they're afraid they won't be able to transition if their parents don't agree. And so we have an attorney general level, a government official who is fighting and calling parents uh, basically a, um, a hindrance to children. And so when we talk about the subject of uh, testing, you know, there, these are tests. What could be next? Could it be now that, um, we could get children taken away from their natural parents because they're not affirming what is obviously, um, detrimental when they start taking drugs. I mean, I have heard nothing about the statistics on cancers right. on a uh, long-term effects of these, um, you know, obviously sterilization is, is one of them of, of the, the gender, um, the, the gender drugs. But, uh, I remember when bodybuilders were told they couldn't take, uh, steroids because of all the brain cancers that it would cause. Well, these are, these are, those are hormonal base. Um, they're, they're 
working with the metabolism. So, you know, it, it just is very frightening when uh, we're not just talking about affirming like they want to play like a boy and, and try it out in their play. We're talking about we're going to change your body. And I mean, hormones are powerful drugs. And they, um, a lot, talk about the autism, many of the trans, they have an incredible number, a percentage of trans are autistic. Wow. Remember that statistic? They were, no, no, I totally remember that statistic. You know, it, it's probably having to do, you know, like, I think the increase in, in autism in the last 30 years is up like four, like like 4,000% or something like that. It's a ridiculous amount of autism is growing. And, and you're like, okay, well, why is autism growing? What's going on? It's causing autism. And then we'll think about this, like um, Dr. Fauci, his job is to analyze and to find out mm-hmm. why people are getting more sick or what, you know, and, and it, there's a correlation. There's clearly some correlations between the vaccines uh, the schedule and the many, many that people are supposed to get and autism. There's tons of correlation. There should be some studies like the, the NIH directors of NIH should be saying, Hey, this is happening on my watch and they should figure out what it is. And so I, I personally believe that's what's going on is that people are getting sicker because they're getting more vaccinations and then we're getting more and more people that are autistic from that. And, you know, it's interesting too, that I want to point out, is that I think it was a 400%. There was a 400% increase in students in the last year or so where students are identifying as non-binary. Well, okay. And they're saying that that's not, that's not like medically possible. Like it's, it's, it's a 400% increase in this identification. So that obviously has to do with advertising. They're yeah. advertising the stu- to, to these students that this is a cool yeah. way to live your life. Maybe you're trans, maybe you're a boy, maybe mm-hmm. you're really a girl. Uh, this is, and so kids are going, oh, they're suggestive. If, and this is one of the things that was made uh, the other night when we were there. If, if we know advertising works on adults, then of course it works on children. Little children at, home, uh, at school where they have no parent to help filter it. So they are basically at the mercy of the one that they love and that the, they uh, respect the teacher that has um, has has the propaganda and they, they don't have their pre their prefrontal lobe isn't um, their cerebral cortex nothing is is completely developed so even their ability to discern we know it's just like Chloe said of course I didn't have an informed consent that's why children can't give informed consent. It's why it requires an adult if you're uh, under 18. Yeah. And so, and, and so once again, it's a predator victim mentality in our, our state run schools. So it's uh, in California, we're very aware of it. Well, and this is the thing. And I, and I know you and I watched the same prophetic dream. There was a woman that said that, you know, she had had a dream and she was asking God, you know, when are, when are, when are, Californians and when are Americans going to wake up to all this is going on and she heard or saw in a dream when they start to take people's children and like that that that's when 
finally people will start waking up. And I, and I think if that's what's going on right now with that, when you see all these bills in California, they're all designed to separate parents from children. I mean, the, 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 the sexual content of uh, cartoons and pornography, cartoon mm-hmm. videos, I mean, not videos, but books that are being put in the library. I mean, if you remember, uh, Tim Ballard said that one night when we saw him that he, that he used to arrest people for giving kids that type of content that he was, he was commissioned to arrest people. Now they're giving it to them in schools. And so I think we're in a, we're in a precipice right now where there is, we're moving into like a very dangerous territory of becoming a police state with, you look at like January 6th, you look at what they're doing, they're intimidating people. They wanted to get 87,000 new IRS agents to you know, armed to enforce the IRS laws you know, D- Dinesh D'Souza just put out this new film, right? Mm-hmm. Called um, Police State, right? Police State, yeah. And he and I, I actually have it queued up. I want to show this. Little oh, video. great! You want to just play it real quick? This is where I think we're going. This is where he is saying we are going if we're not careful. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need Mm -hmm. to have a crime. What we need as a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is gonna be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We are freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Wow. Yeah, it says that it's coming out with October 23rd, 25th. And, you know, Wake the Bear, we do, um, we're we're doing movie night. So we'll have to see if we can uh, get that queued up for either uh, late October or sometime in in November and do a community uh, movie night. But I was watching Dinesh when he was talking about this, he said, I never wanted to make this movie. I never wanted to imagine that America could come this far down the road to destruction and um, losing its, its core values. And, you know, it just, uh, it does take my breath away. I know I have a friend named Casey Kuzak. Um, He has a, he has a, a podcast and, and some social media platform. He's a, a J6er who was outside and was doing very benign things. And uh, he is um, having to go back next month and is probably going to be arraigned and sentenced uh, to a few years uh, in 
jail. So he's, you know, he's just in a lot of despair. He lives in the Midwest. He went just for a, a parade and a, a speech and to support our president and to say, uh, we don't agree with how uh, this election uh, fraud has been, and we want to see something done. And a sentence that was used was really that, that Trump used on, on this um, trailer was uh, they, they are coming after the ones who are asking the questions. Right. So it's no longer allowed, you're no longer allowed to have a difference of opinion um, than the, than what the deep state has. And I, you know, I just think we're really, we're getting very, very close. This is a time to pray. This is a time to call out to God, to protect, to heal. This is a time to petition your, um, your government to speak out, to use the power of the pen and, you know, we have free speech still, at least to some degree, we have it, you know, to a great degree. And we need to be able to speak out and say, not on my watch, that I'm not going to let my country go down while I was an adult and was living in this country. I just, I think constantly haunted by the, the possibility of my grandkids saying, dad, you know, grandpa, what did you do when tyranny took over our nation? Like, did you do anything? Like, what did you try to stop it? Did you? Did you speak out? Did you, did you use your ability to the, that your fa- the founding fathers gave you um, in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution? Did you use your rights to stop it, or did you just sit on their couch and watch football and and say, "Oh, it'll fix itself"? Um, wow. You know, Ronald Reagan said over and over again. We hear it. He said, "You know, uh, freedom is never one, never more than one generation away from being extinct." So it's every generation has to fight for it. Every generation has to push for it. every, we, we all have to do our part. And so that's one of the reasons why you and I, I know you and I and Ron started wake the bear radio is like, I want a recording in the annals of heaven and on the internet forever that I stood against this evil tyranny. And I tried everything I could do to get my friends and my family and people to hear this message that, that, that you, we got to fight. We have to resist. And resistance to tyrants is obedience to God, as Ben Franklin and Jefferson said, you know, wanted that to be our national motto. Resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. We have to resist. We cannot we cannot continue to let things happen like Maui and where there's where the government is just covering it up. I mean, there's a there's a here's a difference. Here's a similarity. Nine one one and Maui. What are they doing? Hiding the the crime scene from everybody else. And then, of course, they shipped off all the metal to China and melted it all down without doing a, a, thorough, a thorough investigation. And that's what's happening in Maui. Oh, everything's blown up. So we get, and they're not even let families in there. They're putting up uh, walls all the way around it. So you can't even see inside. Like they're putting the, the cyclone fencing with like a mat, a black mat on it. So you can't go look inside and see what they're doing or what's been going on inside there. It's just, there, there's some major corruption going on, Americans and, and, and Californians. You know, and people in Hawaii, if we don't push back now, we lose the right to push back. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's uh, I think you you named a few things that we can do. And and we are people of great hope. Uh, There are more of us than there are of them. And when I say them, it is people who are at the top of the deep state who are money laundering and who are directing the operations of the Council of 300 of the WEF, of the WHO, of the, the UN, and of uh, Davos, and of CFR. all the, yeah, all the um, major, I mean, there, there are 
you know, maybe at 10 to 20,000 leaders that are calling shots for the billions in this world. And if we stand up and say no, and that that's why, um, you know, figuring out who you're going to support for, for president, begin to support someone who is a strong candidate who can push back against a very wicked and evil agenda that is demonic. It's a spiritual war, but it's having kinetic and uh, natural manifestations. As we see, they're real people going to jail and they're real people getting sick. They're real people being opposed and they're real children getting transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's a real deal and uh, it's a real battle. There's real, real losses. There's I mean, I, I try to tell people that, you know, I'll tell friends or family of mine, they'll be, man, you seem like you just talk about this all the time. I, I'm like, yeah. And if we were at World War II and bombs were falling out of the sky, you would be talking about it all the time. It's a different form of what war that we're in and actually not talking about it, not resisting, not being acknowledged what's going on is actually the enemy's tactic to hide what he's doing. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a different type of warfare. And that's why, you know, General Flynn has a book called, you know, The Civilian's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Uh, I highly encourage people to get that book and look into it. Um, there's there's some stuff on, there's so many places on the internet you can go. I, my, one of my favorites is And We Know. Um, LT on And We Know talks you know, about what's going on, that what's the plan. There's a really, really good, most recently released on um, X called uh, There Is a Plan. And to go look into that, talk about devolution and the um, executive orders that Donald Trump made before he left office and how he uh, ensured a continuity of government if these certain things happened, which would be like the foreign interference or foreign or domestic interference of a election, um, that people's assets would be uh, uh, completely uh, taken, um, or if there was grave human rights violations. There's another one that he did on human trafficking, um, based, you know, child sex trafficking which is basically child rape trafficking that these things are all coming out right now that's what F sound of freedom is about that these things are being exposed the people who are righteous they're more righteous than there are evil ones that's why we can't believe that these people even exist because they're so evil we can't imagine people could be that evil but they are that's why we who are righteous have to speak out we you know and, and you know let's be honest our you know our righteousness comes from god it's the blood of the Lamb of God that, that covers us, that gave us righteousness, that, that keeps our minds focused on truth and keeps our, our focus on what's, what's true and noble, lovely and pure, mm -hmm. and honorable. Like those things come from God. And so we recognize that all of us are sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But it's by grace that we can be saved through his, through his son, Jesus. If we put our faith and trust in Christ, if we repent of our sins and turn from our wicked ways, God will heal your, your, you, your family, yourself, mm -hmm. he'll heal your land, you know, and, and just because you become a Christian and follow Christ doesn't mean you'll be perfect. You know, you're still being working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're still, you know, learning what, what it means to follow God in every part of part of your life. So we, you know, we really encourage people that we want you to become a patriot, but more than anything, we want you to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to, you know, confess your sins and become a follower of Christ because that's going to protect you supernaturally from the demonic forces on the earth that are coming. And it's going to lead you into the embrace of God and, and eternal salvation for, you know, not just in this life, but the life to come. So, you know, that's what, that's the major, one of the, you know, 
the major focus of Wake the Bears, wake the saints, but also wake up those who are asleep to the truth of who Christ is. Yeah, yeah. Well, on this Patriots Day, we want to uh, thank our listeners for for tuning in, and we want we do want to say there is hope in Jesus because it is a spiritual battle. When we go after the spiritual problems then we begin to see a breaking down of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light can come in. So uh, make sure you, you stay out of fear and stay uh, activated, be resolved to say no against evil. It's not, uh, we're just waiting for Jesus to come and get rapturous out. That is not the solution. That's yeah. being complicit with the problem because he says, occupy until I come. And he's not coming back to pick up the garbage. No. He's not coming back for um, a broken society. He's coming back for a victorious bride. And so uh, that, that would be the church. And so we are called to represent him well during the, these days that we're given. Yep, we're called to, uh, what's the word? Occupy until his return. So let us occupy in the name of Jesus. Let us t- take this land and turn it for, for Christ's kingdom while we're here well great thanks for being with us tonight god bless you and uh, we hope to see you again on wake the bear radio this has been wake the bear radio on ksco 1080 on your am dial Ooh.